name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today we begin the first of the seven Sundays of St. Joseph. And so, as we begin our prayer this morning, in the presence of God, we know we have with us also the presence of St. Joseph, that man of peace, that man of rectitude, that just man, that God entrusted Mary and Jesus to. Somebody sure, somebody responsible, somebody that he could uh, count on. And uh, the church talks about the the sorrows and joys of uh, St. Joseph. The things that produced sorrows in his life are things that we can meditate on, but so can the great joys of his life. And uh, the dominant image that you get when you think of St. Joseph, as we look at him here in this beautiful painting that we have, is that he was a man of peace, that he was quiet, that he was silent. There's even a book, Joseph the Silent, as a dominant feature. He didn't draw attention to himself. Even when he saw Mary pregnant and could not understand, that was the first of his sorrows, when he, he, you know, was in a moment of absolute consternation. How could she be pregnant? It just doesn't make any sense, knowing her, knowing her purity, knowing her integrity, and seeing that he was he was filled with an inner upheaval, and he decided to to leave to 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 just to quietly just disappear. That way, he thought he would look bad. And she would look, you know, as though he had taken advantage of her, and he would be one of these guys that just took off and was irresponsible. He would look like that, but she, her integrity would be safeguarded. That was kind of how he thought. I'll look bad, but she will be safeguarded. And then he made that decision—a very difficult decision—because he loved her so much. But he knew that what he saw there was not of, of his own. As she started showing signs of the pregnancy, it's, it's not my own. So he made that very, very difficult decision. It was a great, deep sorrow. But then the gospel says he made a decision and he went to sleep. He went to sleep. He slept. That's an interesting combination. If you are are perplexed and affected deeply by something that happens to you, 
can you go to sleep and just and uh, and isn't your sleep going to be tossing and turning and I did this I, maybe I should have done that to, but he slept he slept I think it was a profound sleep well profound enough for an angel to speak to him and explain to him that what he saw there was from God and he should take the child not to be afraid and everything was clarified and what a joy, joy that brought him this is what in fact Pope Francis does when he has a very difficult decision to make he has something difficult to decide he has as you probably have seen this this little statue statuette of of Saint Joseph lying down he's lying down and he's sleeping and and he he can't make a decision or something or he has to decide and he puts a little he writes the topic down he writes it down on a piece of paper and puts it underneath his head where G Joseph is sleeping and then he goes to sleep asking God for an illumination on that but above all he's left with peace let us let us ask Saint Joseph today to help us focus on this quality that has to be proper to any woman of God a man of God to be a man or a woman of peace of serenity of tranquility of of peace we saw Yesterday, in yesterday's gospel, how desperate and ups, ups, upset or uptight the apostles were and frightened when they were in the boat after, after the, the Lord had, uh, had uh, realized some miracles. They went out in the boat and the waves were pouring into the little, little boat with 12 of them. Their hearts were pounding, and they were filled with deep fear, lots of anxiety. And in that touching moment, when they are overcome with, with fear and, and anxiety, that they go to the Lord, and there he is, asleep in the stern. St. Mark is the only one to say that he is asleep on a cushion his head on a cushion. The detail that is added that seems so real, so proper to our Lord. Who knows who made that cushion? Who knows? Maybe it was Peter's mother-in-law. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was Mary. I don't know. But I don't think it was uh, a bunch of nets rolled up in, in a ball, right? Uh, uh, in a pile, of, a pile of wet nets used to sleep on. Because then it would, said, it would have said he was with his head on a pile of wet nets. But, but it doesn't say that. It says it was on a cushion. And plus, wet nets are not very pleasant to sleep on. Smelly and wet. It was a cushion. Maybe with feathers in it. Meaning he did have a place to lie his head because he was exhausted after so many days of going back and forth. He was tired and could not keep awake, despite the fact that all that agitation around him. But he knew, he knew what would happen. He knew, he was calm, 
he did say at one point that foxes and have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Well, he, in this case, he did have a place to lay his head. It was a cushion. And sometimes it can happen to us. It seems like there's a kind of a storm raging around us. We have so many things to do. Uh, we're busy. We're worried about different things that happen. Anxiety, anxiousness, maybe what others think about us, or, or we get into disagreements. She wants to do this, she wants to do that. I don't, this, I, I don't, uh, I don't agree, or she said this, what did she mean by that? And uh, this kind of upheaval can enter into our soul, and it's like a, almost like a storm raging around us. And, of course, that beautiful passage, when our Lord stood up to face the storm, as though he wasn't really asleep, but he, he was woken by the apostles. Don't you care? Don't you care? Stood up and he said, Be quiet. Be still. Just that word, be quiet. The Lord is telling us that now. Be quiet, be still, be calm, be serene. Even though we are surrounded by storms, some of them frightening and scary, makes us unsteady and unsettling, things that are unpredictable. But the Lord, in front of such a storm, such an upheaval, simply tells the wind and the waves. He simply tells the ocean itself, which is the ocean. It's a symbol of death. It's a symbol of uh, the antagonistic elements against life on earth, continually threatening our life. That's the image of the ocean or the, the sea. He just says, be still. In Latin, the, the phrase is, is quite, we read it yesterday in the Mass, tace, obmuteshe, tace, be quiet, obmuteshe. And uh, with Christ, we are under the, his authority of his word. He says these words with such authority in our life, in front of anything that can upset us, that makes us anxious, nervous, sad, or even, or even just down. Sometimes during this time of year when it's very cold, when it's minus 11, minus 12, minus 15, it's cold can't really go out uh, well we can I guess but it's freezing cold uh, he's inviting us to have confidence when he says that especially to the to the to the things that cause all that upheaval which in this case are all is, is the nature around those totally unpredictable things even the virus uh, the COVID is very unpredictable unpredictable unsettling unsteady we don't know we don't know well, we know things about it, but we just don't know how, you know, the new strain, is it going to affect us? It's the same thing. We ask our Lord now to say, well, why not say to the virus, Tachi, obuteshi, go away, die. We just want some herd immunity here. So that the 
the virus goes around and wants to go to somebody else and no, there's nobody else and then it just dies. Our Lord says, die. <laughs> well, he says that to the natural elements of the world as he did to the storm. But today, in today's gospel, when he's really at the very beginning of his apostolic mission, he says the same thing. He said it yesterday, be silent. Uh, but now he's saying it again it's the very same expression that comes back but now it's not directed to the upheaval of nature or of the sea but it's when he is in the synagogue and he says it or addresses the devil himself who is possessing a man in the synagogue And uh, these synagogues, they're not the temple. They're not the temple. The temple was the holiest of places. The synagogues were places that the Jews had organized for themselves when probably when they were in Babylon, in exile, away from Jerusalem, away from the temple. So they, well, they organized these places so that they could talk and pray and, and read the scriptures together. They were at least begun there and then eventually developed also Later on, even in, in, in when they came back from, from exile. So this is in Capernaum. Obviously it's not in Jerusalem, but they could get together. It would be a good place for community, um, a good place to pray, a, a good place to be at peace. And uh, they bring in this guy. And... A man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You can just imagine the horrific, blood-curdling sound of voice. He said, What do you have to do with us? So it would have been... Oh, this, this terrible-sounding multiplicity of voices. It wouldn't have been just one voice. And uh, because that's the devil. The devil is division. The devil is, is not united. He's, he takes us back and forth. And, uh, and um, he spoke with authority. I know who you are. Oh, this is what the devil says. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet. Come out of him. Same thing. The same thing. Be quiet. Be quiet. Ex communatus est e Jesus dicens obmuteshe. Same word. Exact same word. Obmuteshe et exi de omine. And then the unclean spirit convulsed him, tried a last shot at him to harm him, to make trouble, cried aloud, and left. Now, everybody was absolutely awestruck at his power, at Jesus' power, over unclean spirits. Jesus was not speaking on the authority of Moses or another rabbi. He was really speaking under his own authority. And this is what so impressed the people, that he had that power to overcome the evil one that he has power over the demons. As he says later, 
in St. John, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. And there are many passages in the Gospels of, of the Lord fighting the devil. And in a radical way, of course, the, the, the devil tries to attack him during the Passion. The Lord says, the hour and the power of darkness has come. But his final victory over the devil is when he rises again from death. But here, for now, at the very beginning of his ministry, be quiet. Hush. Stop talking. Stop agitating, he's saying. And how true it is that we need that. We need that serenity. We need that peace. We need to overcome that anxiety. How do I do this now in my prayer? How do I, how do I compose myself when I go and do my prayer? When I make an act of faith? I should start whenever I do my prayer, especially if I'm anxious, a bit worried, a bit sad, a slight upheaval, breathe. Breathe calm. With the eyes of faith, I put myself in, in God's view that the Father of Heaven, who loves me tenderly, watches over me right now, and I am attentive to God's presence in my heart. I breathe. I breathe. It calms me down. That's very important, just the act of breathing, actually. And the grace for which we can ask now during this time of meditation is the grace to receive God's peace in our heart. In a deeper and more abundant way, to be able to transmit peace around us. That's the, the grace we can ask. Blessed are the peacemakers, our Lord said. For they shall be called sons and daughters of God. We have to be peacemakers. Naturally, we can only transmit peace if peace somehow resides in us. It's got to be in us. As St. Paul said in his letter to the Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in the one body. Isn't that true? We are called to be men and women of peace. And so for St. Paul, then, it is truly a call to welcome God's peace, which he offers to us. To be at peace is really, is really an essential part of our vocation, I would say that. And it's a call that is particularly strong today. In a world that is so stricken with fear, with agitation, with worry, with upheaval, just inner upheaval, consternation, dispersion. It's like, like, it's like we have to contribute to this. It's like it's emergency. It's a, there's an urgency that we transmit God's peace. Obmuteshe. Be quiet, the Lord is saying. You could say this, that our primary obligation as Christians, 
sons and daughters of God is not to be perfect, not to be absolutely perfectly dressed, perfectly in, in order. It's not to resolve all the problems around us. It's not to succeed, to make the best, the, you know, I don't know, the, the, the best work that you're doing. We have to work well, we have to do our best, okay, but, but that's not the most important thing. But to be people of peace. Imagine people come here to learn how to, how to prepare things in the household, to, to prepare uh, an amazing uh, lasagna, because there's a, lasagna here has a huge reputation, right? So they learn how to do an amazing lasagna, but they see around them people are agitated. Oh, don't do this. Watch the cheese there. Don't do that. Watch, be, be careful. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. You're going to contaminate. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how it could be. Uh, you know. Be careful! Don't touch that. Why are you late? I was expecting. And then the lasagna. Okay, it's still good lasagna, but who cares? I heard the example of Etty Hillesheim, Hillesum, a young Jewish woman who lived in Amsterdam during the Second World War and who experienced a beautiful encounter with God. Jacques Philippe talks about her often, quotes from her. And in 1942, when the Nazis were persecuting the Jews, there was a crackdown in Amsterdam, and she wrote in her diary, our only moral obligation is to recultivate vast fields of peace within ourselves. To cultivate vast fields of peace within ourselves. And to extend them little by little until this peace ripples out towards others. And the more peace there is in others, the more there will be in the world in abundance. So that peace can't just stay with us. With us. It's got to go out. The more the world is in crisis, the more important is that our hearts be in peace. And if our hearts are inhabited by peace and trust and confidence and calm, our Lord said, be quiet. Be quiet. It's a way, it's a way of saying that. Be calm. If the more that happens with us, we will, we will lean on the Lord. We will find all the right responses in moments of difficulty, moments of agitation that will happen. We'll put the paper underneath St. Joseph's head, put it there, and we'll go to sleep. And we will sleep amazing. And then we'll spring out of bed in the morning because we just slept like a log. We will find constructive solutions. Like St. Joseph found. Well, it wasn't him who found it. It was God who told him, look, do this, uh, go out, take the child and his mother. So God will give us constructive solutions, decisions. They're guided by love for the for all those questions that confront us whatever whatever
question that confronts you now. There's a question, there's, a, there's an interrogation, there's a worry, there's a concern. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're not that big. Sometimes they're things that we procrastinate on. I should be doing this, I haven't done this. Big, small. But if we, if we let worry invade our hearts, well, forget it. We're just going to make really bad decisions. We risk certainly reacting very poorly in events that face us. And we close ourselves off. We flee. We become aggressive, even violent. Or make very pre precipitous decisions, even for ourselves. We make dumb decisions. Just like really dumb decisions. And the more we do that, the more in the future it becomes difficult to uh, face those little upheavals. I read a, an explanation of how the brain works. I, I, I'm not a psychiatrist or whatever, a neurologist, but the, this doctor, Kevin Majors, explains in one of his, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or, or text that I read of his, uh, why, why we get anxious or nervous. He explains it all, like from a neurological point of view and uh, um, just like purely the cognitive level. And he talks about the amygdala, the amygdala. So picture the brain, you know, in profile. And there, there's like a little almond-shaped thing right there at the very core it's called the amygdala. And uh, so the amygdala, it's kind of like, it's... A little, it's very small, but its purpose is to detect threats against the, the, the person. And it will sound alarms and send messages to the rest of the body whenever there is a threat. Like one of the, one of the things it's responsible for is sending out to the rest of the body adrenaline. When, or the, get the heart pumping right? when something is danger, danger, danger. It's like the alarm. And then the, the amygdala watches for our response in front of that danger. So if we approach a threat against us, that thing we don't like, that anxiety, that, that is, what he says is that if we face that fear that we have, we face it down, then we're actually teaching the amygdala for the next time that we'll be affected by something. They call, he calls it safety learning. He gives the example of a person who's got fear of heights. I, I don't presume any of you have fear of heights, but, uh, but uh, you know, he has an office and it's like on the, I don't know what floor, and, uh, and a guy comes in totally anxious, I have fear of heights, doctor. Oh no, come to, the, come to the balcony here, right here, look over the balcony, right? And the guy says, and he wants to force him to sit with that fear that he has of looking down into the traffic. Because that's teaching his amygdala that, uh, well, he calls it safety learning, that, that he's leaning into the threat. He's saying, there's a threat? Well, just too bad. I'm going to lean into it. But of course, if every time we have a fear or something we avoid it, something we don't like, we fear it, we procrastinate. Well, it's actually going to make it that threat even more and more dangerous the next time. 
the amygdala is going to figure out, oh, okay, well, my mama said that, I, okay, I'm going to increase the level of anxiety and fear, etc. So if we're triggered by heights, let's say, this is, maybe heights is not the best example because I don't think that, well, maybe you are, I don't know, but uh, so if we're triggered by that, the next time we'll be even more triggered. But if we're not, if we, if we face it down, the next time the anxiety curve will go down. So it's as though the Lord is saying to us, be silent. Feel the pain of the anxiety that you experience. Just hang in there. Be silent. Be quiet. It's like Jesus is saying to the devil within us, come out of him. Come out of her. If we flee from all those things that cause us anxiety, that are a threat to us, well, the amygdala is going to take note. So let us ask now for that peace, that serenity, and uh, face down those things because we have to be men and women of peace. That's, that's part of our job. That's what we have to do. We have to transmit it. My Blessed Mother will help us. And of course, St. Joseph today on the first Sunday of St. Joseph, he will help us to sleep on those decisions and to make true decisions that will bring serenity and peace around us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and the inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.